Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. We appreciate you listening to us for the next three hours. Kyle Bailey going to take over right after that. And if you want to text us via the Garage Door Guru text line and share all of your thoughts and the comments about Frank Reich being your new Carolina Panther head coach, well, you can text us at 704 704- 570-9610. Let's go with a quick vibe check real quickly before we get off of the bus here. Wes, how are you feeling 24 hours after? We broke the news yesterday, and we warned everybody as soon as we hopped on the mic that we could be breaking news later on. And at 2 o'clock, we saw the Carolina Panthers put up on their website that Frank Reich was going to be the new head coach. And then we had a full hour of breaking that all down. We opened up the phone lines to callers. We're going to do that again at 120. So not this hour, but in the next hour. Hour, the one o'clock hour at 120 we will open up the phone lines vibe check all around just to get us friday get this friday off and rolling how are you feeling today Wes? uh probably even more annoyed than i was yesterday <laughs> perfect perfect we'll go to the weekend a little bit more annoyed how are you feeling with your vibe check fitting it is a football friday we got a new coach to talk about here in carolina we're on the eve eve uh, day of championship weekend in the nfl I've got a lot of energy, mm-hmm. but you, my man, you've been trying to crap on it all all morning, so now it's my job to be dynamic and lift you up to where I am. I don't know how I've been trying to crap on it at all. I've just been I've been prepping. I've been getting a show together that has a lot of content to get to. No doubt about it. A lot I mean, of attitude we, with that prep this morning. We have a lot. Of, well, look, you bring it out in me. <laughs> Fitty, you know how to bring out the attitude in me better than anybody else. And let's get off of the bus with that same attitude right now and bring all of the heat for Wes and Walker. Open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. the announcement came in that former Colts head coach Frank Reich would be the next permanent head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He did discuss how the first steps in becoming the head coach with the Carolina Panthers is getting connected with the roster. You know, I'll try to connect with as many as I can, and that'll just be a slow process. Um, Next on the agenda is, you know, building the staff. Um, Very excited about that. Um, we're committed to giving our team, you know, one of the best staffs in the NFL. Um, you know, Mr. Tepper's made that clear that, hey, let's let's bring in the very best, Frank. So there's Frank Reich talking about taking over this Carolina Panther coaching job. One thing we know, Wes, is that the players, not only did you have a lot of the fans advocating for Wilkes to remove the interim tag and then also have that permanent ta- permanent tag going into this year and beyond, the players were a huge advocate of it. Steve Wilkes was the guy, and now it is going over to Frank Reich. So there's a lot of relationship building that he is going to have to start right away. And there's more pressure in that sense. What did you make of Frank Reich's comments, and what are some of the things you think he has to immediately do? Uh, I think he has to immediately come in. I think his credibility is there. I mean, he was a player. Nobody's denying that. He played for the Panthers, and he was one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league during his tenure. And he did experience some success in Indianapolis. But I think just the fact of just – I think the biggest thing that he can do is just let the players know that he understands the circumstances weren't ideal. Um, Understanding, kind of sympathizing with them to know that, hey, I know you wanted Wilkes. 
And I think he needs to, you know, acknowledge in certain ways that, you know, he, he knows the narrative around the NFL with African-American head coaches and that it's out of his control. All he could do is just take the job. I think that will go a long way with guys if he acknowledges kind of not necessarily saying, oh, I got the job because I'm white or whatever the case may be, but just acknowledging guys' feelings about it. And I think that will go a long way. And I think that will be the first order of business for him because, as I said before, uh, and I told you, I, I said that I didn't think the Temple was going to care really what the players think. These owners don't care at all about what the players think. And I told you there would be no pushback or nothing, anything spicy coming out of the bank from any players, and we haven't seen a peak. So um, I think just for him, just going in there and just talking to guys and just really letting them know that he can sympathize with how they feel and, and what's going on, I think would go a long way. Yeah, we have seen a couple of former players. I don't know about the current players, but I did see something from Trey Boston. I, I know K1 Short is someone that was also tweeting out during the interim tenure of Steve Wilkes that Steve Wilkes should have been the guy. But as the relationship building goes with Frank Reich and all of these other players, Everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen from Frank Reich, I think this is somebody that does do a pretty good job of building relationships with players. I think mm -hmm. that he was a respected coach within the Colts locker room, and even if it did not go all that well, we can talk about some of the reasons why that happened, why he was fired midway through the season, where they expected the Colts, everybody, the NFL pundits, I, myself, you did too. We all expected the Colts to have a pretty good season, but there were a lot going against it. Matt Ryan looked worse than I thought, the offensive line looked worse than I thought. I don't know if I ever got a sense that he lost the locker room. You know, maybe I just don't know enough of the information coming out of Indianapolis, but I never got that sense. And it does seem like he does have a pretty good relationship. He's not going to be one of these guys, Wes, that we heard from Kevin Bone talking with Jeff Rickard, um, I think two days ago. Frank Reich's not going to be one of these guys that chastises you in front of the entire locker room while also holding you accountable, right? We had some of that problem with Matt Rule where a guy like Shaq Thompson was saying Rule was not holding all the players accountable, and then it got a little, it got a little not crazy, but that was a real problem. And I don't think you're going to get that from Frank Reich, Frank Reich, and he's also not going to embarrass you in front of your peers. And so the relationship building, I think, is something there with this new head coach in Carolina. I think this scenario, more than the other vacancies, more than the Texans' vacancy, more than the Cardinals' vacancy, more than any other one you can think of, Denver included, this is the one where it's important immediately to start building those relationships with the players that you have on the roster because of the circumstances and the vocal opinions from the players that wanted the previous guy to stay put. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is that, and one thing I, I had to realize as well, listen, I know Frank Reich, the situation when he got fired in Indianapolis may not have been ideal, but at the same time, you know, it just made me reflect on how many bad situations that African-American coaches get put in and look at Steve Wilkes. So it's like, how can we sympathize with one and not sympathize with the other? Because I was on board with you as far as before saying, you know, those circumstances weren't ideal. He did deserve a second chance. And in a lot of places he would have, and I'm not saying he doesn't here, but he's just really just stepped into a, a, a firestorm, so to speak, at least at this juncture. And I would just say that, like I said, people are sympathizing with what Steve Wilkes went through, but just not enough. Like, we talk about a lot of these coaches all the time that are retreads and why they got let go and this, that, and the third. Nick Sirianni, you know, he could say whatever about all this, you know, this for Frank and he caught a raw deal and stuff. But, you know, what about all the other coaches 
there aren't voices coming out to say that for them either. So, you know, I don't really give him much of a pass for what happened at this point, but now he has an opportunity to erase all of that, and we'll see what he does here because that's the only choice you have as a Panthers fan at this point. Yeah, we have a whole profile on Frank Reich. What's next? We're going to talk about some of the coaching staff rumors that are out there right now. He doesn't have that yet, but that is what's next. So the staff needs to be filled. We don't know if Frank Reich is going to be the play caller at this point. We do know that he has that background. We don't know if he's going to bring an offensive coordinator to do that for him. We don't know what the defensive staff is going to look like, even though there are some names out there. Vic Fangio is everybody's favorite. That would be great to have a part of your defensive coaching staff. Marquand Manuel, we know he was a part of the interview process. Maybe a Gus Bradley, who is under contract with Indianapolis, I believe, as it stands currently, has that experience with Frank Reich. What would you say is next for this Carolina Panthers team? It was always going to be figuring out the head coach, as long as you didn't fire Scott Fitterer. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's going to stay in place. So always hiring the, the head coach first. Now what, Wes? What's the next thing they need to check off their list? Well, obviously getting the staff together, which, you know, that's academic. They're going to do that, but finding a quarterback. And we're starting to see things coming out about C.J. Stroud being the apple of their eye. Uh, so that's next. What is going to happen with the draft? What are they going to do to find the quarterback of the future hey, for the franchise? And it's not going to be him. <laughs> not the guy that said, hey, bro. Yeah, it's not going to uh, be. No, bro. Even yeah. if he's edgy, even if he grows He can be edgy, smedgy, wedgy, whatever he wants to be, but it's not going to be him. Yeah, I don't think you should have a wedgie. I, don't, I wouldn't want you to be the starting quarterback if you have a wedgie like <laughs> that. So, yes, Frank Reich, the new head coach, also needs to figure out the staff. What about quarterback? Moving up in the draft, we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show as well. Fitty may have changed his opinion based off of this coaching hire, so we'll get Fitty's opinion. All of us will debate that route as well. And last but not least, I did want to mention in the beginning of the show, before we moved any further, I did want to um, mention that Billy Packer, legendary college basketball broadcaster, called excellent moments, a million different Final Fours, all the way up to 07-08. Billy Packer has passed away, of course, the father of Mac. Uh, Mark Packer, also a legendary radio broadcaster. Billy Packer just kind of going around the room. What do you remember most of Billy? How did it, it felt like ACC basketball when he was on the call? Like we do know that Billy Packer in front of the camera, that was the that was the uh, the heyday of me growing up and watching the tournaments and the ACC basketball programs that were part of my favorite teams of all time. Just growing up and living that nostalgia. Sad to see him pass away. Well, R.I.P. to a demon deacon. For sure. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, but you know, just the nostalgia of you know my childhood and a lot of my adulthood with him calling Final Four games. Uh, just his voice and some of the biggest moments and. Final Four history, so, you know, rest in peace to the legend. What about you, Fiddy? Does Billy Packer kind of hit home for you when you talk about nostalgia in ACC basketball? He, yeah, absolutely, because he was one of the voices of the ACC, the conference we believe is the, the greatest in, in, in all of college basketball. He was the first voice that I heard call multiple final, you know, when I was first getting into the sport and watching, you know, the Final Fours. He's also, of course, the father of former FNZ living legend Mark Packer, who's now over doing great things at the ACC network so he paved the way for even his son to do big things here at our station and so uh he'll definitely be missed and you know the acc is is uh is is going to miss him deeply as they move forward without one of their their voices 
of of their past history. Yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show as well. Maybe visit that in the Campus Corner. Plenty to get to here today on the Wes and Walker Show. We will continue to discuss the Carolina Panther coaching decision. Frank Reich, your new guy. How does that compare to Steve Wilkes? If he would have gotten the job, did he ever have a shot to get this job? We'll discuss that next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. to throw again to the end zone. Touchdown, Pete Metzelaar! They've come from Buffalo to Carolina together. Right to Metzelaar's the first touchdown in Carolina Panthers franchise history. Boy, what an impressive drive. A moment in history for the Carolina Panthers. The first touchdown ever scored in this franchise's history. We bring him on home. Carolina announcing Frank Reich, that quarterback that threw that pass, is now the head coach of that very franchise. You can text us via the Garage Door Guru text line. You can text us at 704-570-9610. We can get a gauge on how everybody is feeling Close to 24 hours after it was announced that Frank Reich would be your new head coach. Wes, I asked you when we were doing a vibe check to start the show Mm -hmm. how you were feeling. And you said, honestly, 24 hours out, you're a little bit more annoyed Uh as you let this start to simmer a little bit more. Why is that? Well, um, you know, I got texts from people and different things on how they were feeling. But the conversation we had post-show when we started talking about the offensive coordinator thing, and it just got me to thinking. And I was just saying to myself, when you look around the NFL as of right now, when you factor in Byron Leftwich being fired, and then when you factor in Lovey Smith uh, being fired because he had Pep Hamilton, there's only one African-American offensive coordinator right now, and that's Eric Bieniemy. And so it got me to thinking because the focus is always on head coaches. I started to think, well, is this another position that is being discriminated upon because we talked about yesterday and I talked about it about African-American quarterbacks and head coaches, how how they aren't, or we, because I'm African-American, aren't perceived to be as cerebral uh, as the white counterparts and, and not able to get the job done. And so when you look at the discrepancy also with offensive coordinators, yeah, I love offense like the next man. And I'm just thinking to myself, is this the new or is this position also being discriminated upon? And is this giving these owners a new out to be able to say that that's what they want when they don't hire an African-American candidate? We'll say, well, I was looking for an offensive coach because the majority of them are uh, a white man. And so when you look at this scenario and Tepper set out from the beginning to get an offensive minded coach, and I'm doing that with air quotes, it just really starts to, make you think because I felt like that Sean Payton was the only candidate worthier than Steve Wilkes to get this job uh, based off what he had done because this scenario was really like the real life major league except now we have a a racial component into it and for those who don't know I'm, I'm talking about major league the movie where the premise was the owner was trying to do everything that they could to make the team lose so that they could sell it now Tepper obviously is not trying to sell this team but just they tried to do everything they could to lose to get a better position in the draft. They did not give Steve Wilkes any type of chance to be successful. And I think his winning was 
um, not in the plans for them. And I don't think that they liked it. And I think he put them between a rock and a hard place. And he became, you know, the fall guy. And I don't think at this point now, when you consider the fact that it's baffling that he finished third at this point, he was never in consideration for this job in the first place. And I feel like Tepper and the people over there at the bank were giving us lip service saying that he could. And I think by phenomenal, he pretty much meant he had to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl to be able to get the job. And so um, when I just factor in all that, you look at it of the 27 coaching vacancies over the last four hiring cycles, only three have been filled by black men. You look at guys like Byron Leftwich, they win the Super Bowl, they have a top rated offense. And yeah, I know it was Brady, et cetera, et cetera. But he got overlooked for interviews. Ridiculous. Had he been a white coach, he would have gotten a job. He would have been one of the hottest candidates, no problem. And then now, and, and I'll say this and, and give you the floor back, but you look at Eric Bieniemy, and I know that that is by design that they want to put out these things to be like, this is why he's not getting a job if this were a white culture. And I'm not afraid, afraid to say it. I don't care about the pushback. I don't care what any of you had to think about what I'm saying, because this is true. If Eric Bieniemy was a white man, he would have had a job two years ago. You're coaching the best offense in the NFL. You have the nastiest quarterback in the NFL. And with what he's done offensively, he should have already had a job. But all these things suddenly start to come out about him as to why he's not getting a job. And it's just ridiculous and just another reason. So those are just the things on my mind that have just aggravated me all the more about this whole process and what happened to Coach Wilkes. Well, you're not alone. I mean, there are people writing into the text line that feel the same way that Steve Wilkes was not given a fair shot. And here's Keyshawn Johnson on ESPN also discussing Steve Wilkes and asking the question, what more could he have done? What more does Steve Wilkes have to do to keep a job? It makes zero sense on, from, from what I see. I understand that the way the league wants to shape things and go get offensive-minded coaches. And when you look at the playoffs, a lot of the offensive-minded coaches were in the playoffs over these last couple weeks. But yet and still, here's a guy, as y'all mentioned, takes over a roster. Mind you, a failed head coach in Matt Rule. So he has to win over the locker room, get them to respond to him. All the way up until week 17, they had a chance to win the division. And here we are again talking about Steve Wilkes on the out looking to become a head coach. I just don't know. What what more do you have to do? It's a fair question. And 704 number wrote in. So Tepper should have just elevated McAdoo instead of using Wilkes as a pawn. The have to do an incredible job quote speaks to the message many of us get that you have to be twice as good to get half as far. And that's what I want to speak to. Because one of the problems black coaches and black people don't is in the NFL and in life, they don't feel like they're given a legitimate shot. And we all went back to the word incredible job, that phrase, when talking about David Tepper, when he said that very word regarding Steve Wilkes' candidacy. That was the goal assigned to Steve Wilkes. Incredible job. Perhaps we didn't focus enough on that goal itself. Rather than debating whether Steve Wilkes did an incredible job at the very end, which is what we were all preoccupied doing, debating whether it was incredible or not. And we don't have to get lost in semantics. We know the feeling that incredible is supposed to bring. You can say phenomenal. You can say fantastic, whatever. We don't got to get lost in semantics at all. The word incredible was the problem in the first place, in my opinion, because was it given to those other candidates? I would argue Ben Johnson was incredible in Detroit. I would. I mean, he was an awesome offensive coordinator, but Ben Johnson pulled out. So now he's with Detroit because he wants to be a part of their offense. Okay, cool. I would argue Shane Steichen in Philly was incredible this year as their OC. There were candidates here that I really liked. 
based on the job that they did this season. Plenty of other candidates outside of Steve Wilkes. I said as much a million different times. Here's my question, though. Did Frank Reich do an incredible job in Indianapolis? Would you describe it as that? You could say that maybe the quarterback stability wasn't there enough for him to do that, but I don't think I've heard it described as that. Wes, you also mentioned Kellen Moore possibly being even ahead of Steve Wilkes. And so now you're talking about Wilkes possibly being the third option. Would you say that Kellen Moore (laughs) did an incredible job with the offensive coordinator job down there in Dallas? You can look at the numbers and say they were great, but I don't think there's a lot of Cowboys fans that love what Kellen Moore is doing. And he certainly did not do an incredible job in the playoffs. The dude got fired in Frank Reich and Kellen Moore just lost in the playoffs. His own team doesn't even want him anymore. So what we do know is that Frank Reich got the benefit of the doubt. He got the job. I like Frank Reich. I've told you that a million times. I've told all the listeners that are listening to us right now. Mm -hmm. There are things to like about Frank Reich being the head coach. But when you talk about all of the the black people that are writing in right now, the black co-host that I have that has a real problem with this, this is why. It's because there are so many times in the NFL – When it comes to positions of authority and specifically head coaching positions, and as you mentioned, the cerebral offensive coordinator spot where black people aren't afforded the benefit of the doubt. We saw that play out once again with Steve Wilkes not getting this job. So the real question is, did Steve Wilkes ever have a legitimate shot? 500 with that football team, Mm -hmm. with not a good quarterback (laughs) that actually played pretty well and the best he's ever had played under Steve Wilkes. That's the problem here, and that's why I understand anybody that feels a little solemn because of the way that Steve Wilkes did not get this head coaching opportunity. Yeah, I mean, everything you said was was spot on right there. And, you know, my mom, from the time I was young enough to understand, told me uh, those very things that the Texas said about having to be twice as good, always having to make sure I'm extra buttoned up in positions, uh, you know, because of my race. And it's sad, and... We shouldn't have to do that. But, I mean, you just look at this situation as no greater example of that. You look at Byron Leftwich's situation coming off a Super Bowl win with a top five offense. There's no better definition of that. You look at Eric Benjamin, as I said, with top-ranked offenses, historical offenses that he's had in Kansas City, and no better example of that. Still not getting opportunities. There are still examples because you look at, you know, Frank Reich's reputation, and yes, in his four years in Kansas City, I mean, Kansas City, in his years in Indianapolis, when you look at his offenses and you, you know, look where they rank points-wise, he had three top ten offenses, one top five, and then before he left, they ranked near the bottom of the league, and then the quarterback excuse, I get it, but there are a lot of coaches. Does Steve Wilkes have a quarterback in Arizona? No. Um, And then, like I said, over to Keller Moore, yeah, I agree, Keller Moore, offensive reputation as well as far as points and yards, especially the last couple of seasons, have been uh, very good, especially in 2021. They were tops in yards and points. But, you know, this situation has just illuminated the issue in the NFL, you know, times 10. And unfortunately for these coaches, they're going to, as we like to say on this show, catch some strays because of that. And for him to finish third behind a candidate that nobody thought even had a shot, Steve Smith came out and said, hell no, we shouldn't hire Kellen Moore. But he finishes ahead of the guy who made a, to put it in food terms, a delicious soup 
<laughs> out of, you know, not the best ingredients. And so I think a lot is to be said there. And even so, the man acknowledged what needed to improve. He knew what needed to be improved because I said I had issues sometimes with him being a bit too conservative. I said that, but at least he recognized the fact that people perceived him that way. And he said, look, I want to get a dynamic offense. I want to get a dynamic quarterback. So at this point, and and the worst part is it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be on shows. It's going to be written about and nothing's going to happen. Like I told you, the players aren't going to do anything. All talk. They don't understand the power that they have. Uh, you know, we talked about NFL and NBA players, and we know the NBA players had a guaranteed contracts. They sit out games for social justice when, when they don't want to play. They do things. They put their money where their mouth is. But NFL players won't do that. There won't be any Panther players that come out and say anything against Tepper or say anything about the organization. They hired Frank Wright's daughter just three weeks ago. You want to get into the conspiracy theory of things. I, I know I enjoy good conspiracy theory. I find it funny. I think where there's some some smoke, there's some fire. So, but but nothing will be said. Nothing will be done. We'll still talk about this. We've been talking about this ad nauseum every offseason, and it's still the same. So the Wigdor Law Firm, who is representing you know Steve Wilkes in this matter as far as the lawsuit against the NFL for discriminatory hiring practices as far as it pertains to being a head coach in the NFL, they put out this tweet. They were shocked and disturbed that after the incredible job Coach Wilkes did, notice the incredible word there, incredible job Coach Wilkes did as the interim coach, including bringing the team back into playoff contention and garnering the support of the players and the fans that he was passed over for the head coach position by David Tepper. There's a legitimate race problem in the NFL, and we can assure you that we will have more to say in the coming days. And look, maybe some of you are glossing over this, and then you hear that this is some race issue and then you don't want to listen anymore and that's all fine i'm not here to tell you that steve wilkes is a perfect coach i don't think wes is either i don't think anybody is telling you that steve wilkes is a perfect coach i'm simply telling you that i understand why steve wilkes would be mad about this when the goal was to do an incredible job with a roster that i don't know could have finished much better than six and six and i certainly don't think they could have finished better than seven and five which the record would have been had dj moore not taken off his helmet and eddie pinheiro hit a field goal right so we can do that game all day long but maybe you get over 500 and it's not like the saints game was all that great. You know, and I, I don't know if I give Steve Wilkes a ton of credit for winning the last game of the season, but overall the body of work, we can do the what if game all day. The, ma- the fact of the matter is you go 500 with the team that we were talking about legitimately tanking at the time that they fired Matt rule that we thought maybe that was the direction that this team should go. And this team galvanized under Steve Wilkes finished a lot better than I thought they would. And so that's the question, right? Did Steve Wilkes have a legitimate job? I or had a legitimate shot at getting the permanent head coaching job. That that's the question. You got to be honest with yourself about that. Because if if you really want to soul search on that question and say that Steve Wilkes was given a legitimate shot and if you answered no to that, then I wish that David Tepper would have just come out in the first place and said, "Hey, look man, Steve Wilkes is going to right the ship here this season." But I want an offensive mind. That's what I want. What's the backlash there? Right. The backlash is, well, Steve Wilkes should get some kind of some kind of opportunity. Okay, fine. But at least you were honest about, I want an offensive mind. Because that's what you told us with all of the different candidates that you brought in. And so it's not an indictment on Frank Reich's coaching ability. It's absolutely not. 
I like Frank Reich as a coach. I hope he does well. I think there's a lot of evidence that he can do well. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about a person as a at a pairing of Frank Reich and a young QB. I'm excited about that. But we can have those same thoughts, and they can exist at the same time, where I'm cool with Frank Reich and a young QB pairing up here in Carolina, and also understanding why there are a lot of people upset that Steve Wilkes did not get this job because they did not feel like he was given a fair shot, and Steve Wilkes himself feels like he was not given a fair shot. So we'll talk about all of that, and we'll actually get to the actual profile of what Frank Reich can bring, and then we'll move on, discuss the NFL draft a little bit more so. But there are a lot of angles to discuss with this coaching search that ended up with Frank Reich getting that head coaching job. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. You can text us, 704-570-9610. It's time now to go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? All right, guys, let's transition and talk really quickly about the Charlotte Hornets, who doubled up the Bulls in the fourth quarter last night on their way to a 111-96 win at home in Spectrum Center. And they were led by Mason Plumlee's 21-point, 12-rebound double-double. Oh, he's so good. Uh, Mason will join the show today at 145, so tune in to hear that. And this led you, Walker, to say, as I was coming in at the end of Jeff Rickard's show, that Mason Plumlee is now the greatest center of all time. I thought that was Mark Williams. Uh, it, it's close. It's it's between one of those two guys, but I will give the nod to Mason Plumlee after his 9-for-9 nine nine performance against the Chicago Bulls last night. All, I mean, it's crazy, right? What Mason is doing is he's shooting 77% from the field this entire month. I mean, we're almost at the end of January. And he's shooting 77% for the month, averaging over 17 points per game and over 11 rebounds per contest. It's stupid. Like, this guy's having a breakout year at 32, and he's reverse jamming, and I thought that was the best move I've ever seen. Dribble between the legs, bang, bang. Lefty jumper? I tweeted it out last night. Is this guy just Larry Bird reincarnated? (laughs) We all just have to watch him in a Hornets uniform. Look. I get the same feeling watching Mason Plumley right now as I did PJ Walker playing against Tampa Bay. This is it's it's a one-off. I don't want Mason Plumley as the long-term center. I'm not trying to get it twisted, just like I didn't want PJ Walker as the long-term quarterback. But it's nuts what he's doing right now for the Hornets. And last night, even furthering that notion. I mean, it's been we've been talking about it, and you know he's had six straight 15-point games or better. That's a career best for him. And it's just like, what's got into him? Like, normally you get decent offensive production out of him, but he's just recently on a team that scores a fair amount of points and has a lot of guys that can get buckets. He's just been, dare I say, dominant say, on the yeah, offensive okay. end. You, can. you know what I'm I saying? So, say that. Yeah, he's been playing fantastic, man. So you can't say enough about it. Kudos to him. Mason Plumley going to be joining us at 145. I think the leading question for that interview is just going to be like, dude, how? Like, what's going right. on? <laughs> Right. How? Thank you. Yes, Willie P. I've never felt more close to Willie P. than that. That That's the exact question I want to lead off the interview with. Just how, man? How are you doing this? Being Larry Bird reincarnated. It's Wes and Walker. We're off and rolling. A couple more hours to go. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Trophy husband wrote in Kareem Abdul Japlumley. <laughs> That's what we're going to get to. At 145, he's going to join us to talk about his game last night against the Chicago Bulls. We will have you covered all show long on the Carolina Panthers. What they're going to do next after hiring Frank Reich to be their new head coach, Steve Wilkes. What will happen to him next? I know there are reports out there about him possibly going to Atlanta. There are other teams now showing interest in potentially bringing Steve Wilkes on board. Al Holcomb, of course, too, the defensive coordinator that has been a Steve Wilkes guy for quite some time. And we are going to open up the phone lines at 120 is when you can call in there. So 120 is the segment. Get fired up. Yeah. Get fired up. We want all the smoke. Um. I'm scared. I'm t- I'm petrified. You want all the smoke? No, nah, we I'm, want all the smoke. I'm the soft one, as we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, we need before. a lit show. Let's yeah, you you told yeah as we were going through <laughs> the, the the funniest part of me being uh, called soft. I think the last it was like two days this week. You said that I was a nice guy. What a wuss. Yeah, yeah I don't think I ever used the word soft. No, I know, but it, oh, but it could have been a synonym. You you, said, right. <laughs> you said I was a nice guy because I didn't want to twist somebody's ankle in an NFL playoff game. I think yeah, you, and then yeah, when I said what I said guy. about Jalen Hurts as well, right? You know, you just—I think the violence and mentality sometimes of football shocks you. I don't think. <laughs> Goodness gracious! They're, they're hitting each no, other. No, it's out not there. that. It's the fact that you think, or sometimes the fact that guys want to hit guys with very ill intent. Oh no, I'm I'm not naive to the process. You asked me if I would twist an ankle <laughs> to get to the Super Bowl. What position I'd... do you think Fiddy Walker would be if he played football based off his mentality? A punter? Yeah, because he don't want no smoke. He yeah, he ain't about punter. getting hit. He ain't about getting rocked up. Or He's hitting somebody with ill intent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you would give all the punters all the credit because you guys try to put them in your top ten all the time. Kickers and punters. So <laughs> well, I guess they are that would important. Be the same. You yeah. would hold an important job for us. You're, you're right. Maintaining right. field what position. What would Fitty play? What would Fitty be out there on the football uh, field? I, I play D line. I played a little bit of linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, a little he would safety. He wouldn't do that. He would. Um, I think you'd be Bobby Boucher without the mean streak. I think I'd give, give him a little fullback action. I, I played I fullback too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. There's nothing better in life walking than putting someone on their ass. Yeah. I'm about to figure that out with you as we go on in our radio wouldn't relationship. It, wouldn't you love to see five reps of Fiddy at four back on an ISO play? I would. I would. I would indeed. Not built for the faint of heart. <laughs> I would love to see that. There's a lot of things. I'd like to see him more, although, on the ice playing That's hockey. That's my number one right yeah, there. Yeah, but 100%. By far, that's what I would want to see more so than anything Fiddy participate in. All right, let's go to the campus corner. Time now to talk a little college athletics before we get back to the NFL ranks. And uh, in today's campus corner, we do have Wake Forest, NC State. Those two will be going at it this weekend. We'll go to a former Demon Deacon himself. Wes, what do you think is on the line with this matchup? Uh, I think it's a lot. Both of these teams are sitting right behind each other in the ACC standing. So I think it gives a chance for each one of these teams to kind of advance. Wake needs a bounce back game after losing a tough one on the road to Pitt. And I also think it's a um, it will go a long way in the ACC player of the year candidacy of Tyree Appleby and Taquavion Smith. Jaquiel Joyner, I wouldn't count him out either, but I don't think State is good enough to have two guys in the ACC player of the year uh, candidacy. So I think Smith is the guy. We know the multiple 20-point games that he's had in Appleby as well. Top five in the ACC in scoring and uh, leads in assists. So it's going to be a big game for both of those guys. But mainly, like I said, for their teams, these teams are sitting right in the league. I believe it's 
six yep. and seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, six and four is is their record here, and they're both behind North Carolina, Miami, Pittsburgh, Virginia. Second, Clemson comes in at number one in the ACC standings as it currently stands right now. So, what do you make of the standings here, Fiddy? We'll go to you, the North Carolina fan, as I know you were looking at the Lunardi bracket projection, yeah. and you were surprised to see that Duke. Even now, is still a five seed according to Joe Lenardi. And I asked what North Carolina would be, and I really did expect like around the same line. I, I thought maybe the same number, but they're an eight seed according to Lenardi, if I'm not mistaken. How surprised were you? Because I know I was. I, I mean, I'm not as surprised that Carolina's seeding. That's where they've really come right. in for the last two to three weeks. It was Duke all the way being up at that five line with blowout losses on the resume to the likes of Purdue. They got rocked by NC State. They lost earlier this week at Virginia Tech. They do got a good home win over Miami. Carolina's got a pretty good home win right now over the College of Charleston. And so for Duke to come in at the five line and UNC at the eight line, to me, is a little bit of, is a little puzzling. When I look at the ACC standings, this sets up for Carolina to have a chance to run the table and win the ACC because their schedule's so backloaded. Clemson's still got to go to Chapel Hill. Virginia's got a return date in Chapel Hill. Carolina's got to go to Wake Forest. Of course, you got two games with Duke. So the opportunity is there for the taking for this team to still do what they were predicted to do in the preseason, which was win the ACC. Do you like the long break for North Carolina? They're not playing this weekend. The next game they'll have is against Pittsburgh on Wednesday, and there are a lot of ACC teams still playing just tomorrow. If you look at it, Virginia will be hosting Boston College, Louisville, Notre Dame, Duke at Georgia Tech, Clemson will be going at it, Miami and Pittsburgh will be an interesting game up there in Pittsburgh. Do you mind the long break, or would you rather them uh, play this weekend, still try to hold on to some momentum after a win? You know, usually I would complain because of how much of a rhythm the game of basketball is, but Carolina has has missed Puff Johnson the last two games. He's been unavailable with, with knee soreness. And then R.J. Davis just got beat the hell up the other night against Syracuse. So I think it comes at a really good time for them to get their legs back underneath them, get a little bit of health, get a little bit more healthy as they get ready for that stretch run starting next Wednesday against Pitt. And going back to Wake Forest and NC State, you do have uh, two losses in a row against Virginia, against Pittsburgh. I know you talked about the meaning of this contest between both of these squads. I mean, Wes, as much as I like Wake Forest, and I'm still pulling for Steve Forbes, if you lose to NC State. You're going to have to head to Durham and try to beat Duke on the road. And as much as the Blue Devils, uh, Blue Devils have struggled this year, they're undefeated still at home. How? What is the potential you think for Wake Forest for this thing to actually get pretty ugly as we move uh, further on in the schedule? Uh, it definitely could, but I think all teams go through peaks and valleys during the season. I mean, nobody said this was a dominant team. It looked like they were going to the Final Four, like somebody else's team uh, on this show as well that have floundered. Uh, but, you know, they're starting to get it together. But anyway, and what no pun that? intended. Mm, yeah. So anyway, uh, but Wake Forest, you know. They, fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> they've taken a, uh, a couple of tough losses. One to a very, very good Virginia team and a very good Pitt team. I mean, Pitt hit a school record amount of threes. Nothing you could do there. And it still came down to the last shot. So I think Wake Forest should be uh, still holding their heads about where they were. They kept battling back versus uh, Virginia as well, as much as Virginia tried to separate themselves. But they got home against NC State. Uh, this is a team that's taken its only loss of the season at home to Virginia in a game that they battle. So I think they should take care of business against NC State. I give them a good shot to go on the road at Duke, even though Duke is uh, undefeated in that building as well. 
And then uh, Notre Dame, that that should be a gimme win. Like, that's the one that if they lose that one, yeah. that's where you start to worry. And then North Carolina at home, you know, piece of cake. We're going to smash. Uh-huh, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Smash what, the most uh, points allowed in your own building? Well, we smash you like we did last year in our building. That was last actually. year, bro. Yeah, well. <laughs> that was, that was last all, that's year, all, That's bro. all Wake Forest has is, you know, recent history or, you know, 87 years all we ago. Got is recent history. recent memory has Wake Forest last ever season done when that the last on time, the radar. I, I would consider last time you came to our building, which was last year, you got blown out. When was the last time you made the Final Four? That's fine. I mean, you can go to that, but that's not our program. We're not a Final Four program, so that doesn't hurt me at all. What is your program? Our what program is, is a, a solid basketball program. It has <laughs> real classes that people go to and get oh, real degrees go. and graduate oh, yeah, from. That's Lord. what I say. Yeah, there we go. That all don't right. have 6,000 people at all these places that give them jobs. All right, we have two more hours to go. We're going to go to the break real quick. We'll come back with more Frank Reich discussion. Who is Frank Reich? <laughs> What's next for the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and the the way they operate. It's coming up next. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.